shall we play a game? All right, ladies and gentlemen, as usual, let's start with seminars. Next seminar up June 9th through the 11th with a few spots left. After that, August 11th through the 13th, and then October 13th through the 15th. For training camps, we do have a brand new training camp on the list. Never done this before. This is going to be a starting strength workshop for personal trainers. Rip himself is going to come down to Plano, starting strength Plano on June 25th, and talk to personal trainers in the business about the starting strength method, our approach, the philosophy, and teach you guys how to coach the deadlift. There are discounts available for personal trainers with an active certification, so check out the website for more details. Other training camps going on, Self-Sufficient Lifter Camp in Omaha with one spot left on May 20th at Testify Strength and Conditioning. Still got our Lift Shoot Fight Camp going on. That's a two-day camp, July 8th through the 9th in Wichita Falls. First squat and deadlift camps on the list, we do have Chicago with a few spots left on May 21st at Starting Strength Chicago. Long Island, June 11th, with one spot left at the time of this recording. June 17th in Cincinnati at Starting Strength Cincinnati. June 18th in Singapore at Hygieia Strength and Conditioning. Phoenix, Arizona at Weights and Plates on June 24th. That's another squat and deadlift camp. And Indianapolis on July 15th at Starting Strength Indianapolis. There'll be a deadlift and power clean camp on July 15th on Long Island. And then a press and bench press camp on September 23rd in Long Island as well. And then finally, we've added a couple camps to Vancouver, Canada. That's, these are three lift camps. They cover the squat, the press, the deadlift. That's July 29th and 30th. For some of those camps, if you don't see them on the front page of the website, then head over to our forum and go to the upcoming events sub forum, and you'll see them all listed there with the opportunity to purchase tickets. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to StarringStrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. <laughs> Here we are again with uh, a live call-in Q&A. These are one of our favorite uh, podcasts because you, the listening audience, call in and ask us questions. And you know what's remarkable about this is that uh, – I mean, of all the times we've done this call-in Q&A thing, we've only had, like, one guy attempt to be funny right? and ask a dumbass question. One troll. One troll. But usually these things are good. Everybody behaves themselves, asks good questions. Right. We get to talk, and it's fun and entertaining and enjoyable and all that other important shit. So before we get to the fun, entertaining, and important shit, the real reason for the podcast today. First, there is comments, comments from, from, from the haters. haters. And this is this is a good batch. This is a good batch. This is uh, <laughs> this is the embodiment of comments from the haters. <laughs> 
because and the reason we do the comments from the haters is because it is stupidity on display i mean these people that comment on they just they want to be recognized as the most stupid bottom three percent of the human race they thrive on it yeah they thrive on this recognition apparently all right for example uh Commentary number eight, a weapon against Western civilization. Uh, somebody by the name of Alex V. says, probably best that you just stick to moving pieces of metal up and down. This is incredibly embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Such a depth of perception there. Okay. Here now, here's one. This showcases what I'm talking about. All right. J H says, machines are just a good as barbell. T B H. To be honest, T B H. To be honest, just a good, just a good as barbell, as barbell. To be honest, here's one. Rip. You are a fat. That's why look, we don't doctor these up just so these guys will sound stupid. We don't have to. This 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 is just their native form of communication. All right, here, blue dog guy. I knew this one would get the Olympic lifting is not strength training. This oh yeah. This this got a real angry. I knew this one was gonna make them rise up. Yep. To get the bait. Trying to draw this unnecessary fine line is ridiculous. Olympic lifting is certainly strength training. You train the snatch. You train the jerk. You need to get stronger and more skilled to lift heavier and heavier weights. Literally, the one that can snatch and jerk the most weight wins. Take the L. Take the L. What does that mean? Take the loss. The loss. Take oh, the loss. okay. Yeah, you're wrong on this. Well, it's no. interesting that he said you no, have I'm to. Not. It's well, interesting you said you have to get stronger. Stronger. By doing the snatch and the clean right. jerk. Apparently, he thinks that you can get stronger by just doing the snatch and the clean jerk. Must have worked for him. Obviously, worked for him. Yeah. You know, this guy must have placed way up in the. Texas State meet at one point. <laughs> okay. The Masters. Masters 2. Uh, all right. Here's a complaint that should, you know, be personal for you guys. Started training network previews. Training old guys, young guys, and everyone. What was that about? I don't remember. I don't remember one. that either. It says, your guest's audio is horrible and is not representative of the quality of starting strength. Oh, is not representative. Not representative. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that's so not, that, that really is not, not a... I, I read it as is representative of the quality. See, I was... I was And not representative. Yeah, I was... I was. They're actually complimenting the audio of starting strength. I was... Yeah, I was... Uh, All right, well, disregard priming, that Yeah, I was All priming right. myself to see hate where there was no hate. That's disregard that one. All right, trap bar. <laughs> Once again, this video sold me on the trap bar. Well, 
maybe who makes the trap bar? Oh, everybody does. Everybody makes one of those. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got a trap bar. Well, we need a royalty. Yeah, from all, from all of them. You know? Here, and this genius by the name of Paul Christie says, you don't need overhead press at all. Mm. Pull-ups and weighted dips will give you big shoulders. Okay. Pull-ups and weighted dips. Okay. <laughs> well, I... We'll try that out. Fourth edition. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Fourth edition. Because weighted, big shoulders are the only. That's the only reason we do it. That's the reason you press. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, the poor little things, they just don't understand. You know, that that was a good just old school hater comment. Yeah. Comments from the haters. Yeah. You know, not it very was. sophisticated. You no. Know, just Nothing really to understand. Right. Just. Stupid people. Just, yeah. Stupid people featured on comments, comments. From, from the haters, the haters. which is why we do it. Yeah, because everybody else enjoys. Apparently, they, it's a popular well, segment. Everybody yeah. else enjoys stupid people making hateful comments. Yeah. I go to a lot of different things for different, uh, you know, different kind of events, and people will come up to me. And they'll, they'll the first thing they'll say is I love comments from the haters. They probably don't listen to the rest of the show. They probably but they, don't. But they'll listen to comments from the haters. So you guys could go ahead and turn it off. <laughs> or you know you can stick around and listen to the comments from the lovers. That's right. Here, which is really what happens when we do a live Q and A. Exactly. Like we're right. going to do here in a minute. All right. All right. I'm going to put my little listening device in. Where I can hear what's going on. I was looking at a Rogan podcast today, and I just was struck by how stupid he looks with those headphones on. <laughs> just stupid looking. Oh, God almighty. I mean, all his stuff is real good, but he can't figure out how to. They all, they all wear, uh, everybody wears headphones. I mean, it's an audio, pr- primarily it's an audio thing. Right, so right, yeah. They monitor them, they monitor themselves. It keeps people from talking over each other too. Well, it does do that. Yeah, because yeah. <clears throat> when we talk normally, we're just talking, you know. Right. But you're hearing the guy's voice in your ear. But they don't need to be these giant well, cans. Yeah. You know. But they're they're just god damn it! I just don't want to look like that. I don't want a picture of me in headphones. I don't want to see a picture of me. I don't have to do that anymore, and, I, and I'm not going to. All right. Well, How about are we you about ready? Let's take some ready. calls. Yeah. Let's take some calls. We got a few. Shall people, we? Got a few people lined up here. A few people lined up to talk. Hey, Troy, you there? Yes, sir. Troy, where are you, man? Yes, sir. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Well, yes, sir. I've been in Jacksonville, Florida a couple of times, a long time ago. I went to Bojangles but, uh, in Jacksonville, I think, just driving through. <laughs> they have Bojangles there, right? Yeah, they do. Chicken place? They have Bojangles chicken. It's not yes, bad. sir. It's good. Not bad. You know, the best fried chicken I think I've ever had at a place like that was uh, we were out in North Carolina driving out to 
to do a seminar out on the on the coast landed in raleigh and we're driving out and there's a fried chicken place i carolina barbecue i think was the name of it and the fried chicken in there was like my mom made it's not battered it's just dredged in flour yeah salt pepper onion powder dredged in flour and fried that is such i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's a there was one of those in reno carolina barbecue and uh it's the best wings and fried chicken best fried chicken i've exactly ever had right you see place. him in the back just just uh tossing the wings right. in just this flour stuff right no no batter there's no batter it's flour mama used uh uh salt pepper and onion powder and it just makes a it just complements the flavor of the Fantastic. chicken it's perfect it's good stuff yeah so anyway uh Anyway, enough of that shit. Let's see what Troy so, wants. See what Troy wants. Now let's talk to Troy. Now that you and I have talked about chicken, <laughs> God, buddy, I love to have some. What's up, Troy? Yes, sir. I, I had a question. I don't want to say I already know the answer to because that's why I'm calling in. But I, I'm a little concerned because I've been diagnosed. I have a surgical consult this uh, week to go because I have to have sur- an inguinal hernia. Uh, surgery right and i know i have to take it easy and all that kind of stuff but i was just calling in to see if you had any pointers on the best way to recover and get back into things well all right let's let's talk about that because this comes up all the time it is an extremely common surgical procedure among men you know i would imagine 10 percent of the population's got a inguinal hernia maybe more than that yes sir and uh so uh i had the i had one fixed back in uh i think it was oh five and i didn't have any trouble with mine at all uh one of the one of the things about inguinal hernia surgery is if you've got a weak inguinal ring on one side then you have the genetic predisposition to have a weak inguinal ring on the other side and so my surgeon fixed both sides with mesh when he was in he did both sides even though i only had a hernia on the right is it common to have to go back a second time i don't i don't know that's a good question i wonder what the he apparently thought it was common enough an occurrence because if you'll think about it the genetic predisposition for a weak inguinal ring why would it just be unilateral right you know and they're there anyway yes Yep. They're already in there. Are they going to do a bilateral yeah. bilateral repair on you? Uh, no, sir. He's only mentioned the one, but I'll definitely talk to him because I'm going back for a surgical consult again this this week Thursday. If, if he won't fix both sides, get a down. different guy. If, gotcha. I, I mean, he's there anyway, right? Yes, sir. Why? He can go in there and put mesh on both sides. It takes another about ten minutes. Same anesthesia. Just get it the fuck over with. I haven't had a minute's trouble with mine at all in coming up on 20 years. You know? That's awesome. And That's uh, what I'm hoping for. But I know you're still lifting. Yeah, I got back back, uh, under the bar. I think it was 11 or 12 days post-op. I did some light squats. Do what? I am. No, I said, are you kidding me? Because I thought it took longer than that, or that's what I'm being told it takes longer than that. Well, you're being told it takes longer than that, but I'm just telling you what I did. 
<laughs> yes, sir. There's I, got, I, got, I, it, I have to look in yes, my sir. notes. It might have been two weeks, but it wasn't any more yes, than sir. that. You know, you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to squat before you can deadlift. Deadlift hurts more okay. than squats. But here's the thing sure. to keep in mind: <clears throat> if they use a mesh repair, and I would not, under any circumstances have this thing fixed without a mesh repair 50 years ago they just used to close the thing up and it had to heal but if they lay that that surgical mesh down across the uh what is essentially a fistula uh what i was told and i have no doubt that this is true is that within 72 hours of implanting the mesh the shit has incorporated into the floor of your abdominal cavity. It's incorporated, and in, in other words, they couldn't pull it out. If they wanted it yeah. out, they couldn't pull it out. Now that is a you know. In other words, you're going to have a hell of a time hurting but, yourself after the surgery under the bar if you've had the mesh repair done. All right, and you're not going to be able to. It's going to hurt because there was an invasion. You know. They've moved some shit around. Uh-huh. Things are going to hurt, uh, and uh, they're going to be. There's going to be. They, they go in kind of below your belly button, and then they put. Uh, I think they probably two other holes in there because they're going to inflate oh, that area. <laughs> no, listen to me. They inflate the area with CO two, just to cause some separation between the structures so they can work. Sure. Because they're not they're not separated, right? So they they go in and and, and they'll pump some CO two in, and that way they they've got separation so they can work through the scope, and they'll lay this mesh down across the opening down there around the inguinal canal, and they lay it down and they anchor it with four little plastic screws that will subsequently show up on X rays. All right, and and they'll do that on both sides, and and then they come out. They bleed all the gas out. They come out and close, and you're you'll hurt. You're going to be sore for yes, a little bit. You yeah. know, you'll be you'll be sore the next day. You'll be sore for two or three days, and uh, and you'll be reminded every time you try to pick something up that you had abdominal surgery. Uh. After you know for a week or two, but yes. then after a couple of weeks, you just ignore it and take the empty bar out of the rack and squat it, and see if you can stand it. And if you can stand it, go up to ninety-five. And if you can stand that, go to one thirty-five, and then just put it up. Don't get crazy. You know you got the rest of your life to come back, but you're not going to wait three months. What is that? What they told you? Something like that? Well. They said that's generally what they've dealt with, that people will take about two to three months to, I say, recuperate. But I'm, and I've done my own research. I, exactly. I've done my own research and looked, and I, I see anywhere from two weeks to a month generally, and that falls in the wheelhouse of what you were saying. But right. I just wanted to get, you know, your your ideas, you know, behind it, some tips, and I, I, I really do appreciate you going over everything and taking the time i I think that you uh i I think this is going to be a lot easier situation than you think it's going to be yeah those holes is something you've got to get done (laughs) 
Those holes are tiny that they make. Yeah, oh, they're half inch. Yeah, they're the, the, they're half inch. Yeah, the three holes. big enough to get the I instrument. Hope so. Yeah, it's not a. Yeah. It, it, I mean, they just they just. I mean, they just pop three holes. I mean, they're tiny and they run the instruments through there. Um, that the that shit will heal in two weeks. You know the. Oh, the, you won't even be able to see the right the wounds in a month. Yeah. You know there'll be little little tiny oh, white awesome. scars in a month. Uh, now this is and th- this surgery has got a very low rate of complication. It's it's one of the most. I mean, you get an internal surgeon, a general surgeon. He's done five of these this week. Yep. You know they do yes, them all yes, day sir. long. I had a uh, I had an a, a, a appendectomy in, in high school a week before starting two days my senior year, um, and it's it's probably not as involved right, but they did the you know they did the uh, or the sc- the scope you know three three holes. They didn't even stitch them. It was just tape, and I was I was at practice a week later. I had an appendectomy Damn. when I was about. No, well, that would be. That's probably about thirty when I had an appendectomy. Did they slice you all the way open? They cut me all the way yeah. open. My mom had the, the same. old style, yeah, big old giant. Yeah. It was about it was about two inch long right. incision. Yep. But uh, after that. I was young and tough back then. Uh, I think I, I squatted. No, I, that, that was on a Thursday. And I mowed the yard <laughs> on Sunday. I push mowed the yard on Sunday. And I squatted Monday after Thursday Damn. surgery. Damn. Yeah, you got to wear a belt. It's <laughs> <laughs> a squatter to mow. To, to squat. To squat. You, know, you got to put your belt on. Yeah. But, and you'll have to put your belt on, you know, belt sure. all of your reps, all, the empty bar on up, belt everything. And you'll know when you can go back to going to two and a quarter without a belt. But <laughs> at first, you're going to belt everything. And uh, and you will yes, uh, you'll be back without any trouble for and you got to get this over with i mean if you've got a if you've got an angle oh, effect it. it's not optional just get it the fuck over with and get back to your life that's it that's what i want to do all right the man. sooner the better that you know hey thanks mark uh rip i, I really do appreciate right, it thanks man. guys thanks for the call yes sir all right where is rusty today by the way where is he yeah didn't he have some See, people don't know this. Rusty's got this job. He's got a side job as a, uh, well, it has to do with international crime and shit. You can't tell everybody that. And the diamond trade and things like that. Sometimes he's gone. And we don't know where he is because he can't tell us. Yeah, that's what I was. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. No, I was hesitant to talk about it. Oh. All right, well, just forget we said that. He's fucked now. He may edit it out. Hey, he might. But the I mean, live, it's, the it's live his, people heard it already. He's live gonna, people already know. He's going to have to track them all down. And kill them. Kill them. Yeah. Kill them. That's his other side gig. Right. All right. All right. Next. 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 Hello, Alexander. Alexander. Yes, this is Alexander. This is Alex. How are you guys doing? Is it Alexander on the show? What's your mom call you? We'll just do Alex today. Alex, your mom calls she you She calls Alex. me Alex. All right. Yeah. She doesn't use all three of your names. Yeah. Charles Mark Ripico. <laughs> oh, I was fucked. I was really fucked, man. But, if you ever said that, I, I was getting but, uh, ass beaten. You know. Why did you? Why is it? Uh, why is it Mark and not Charles? Because Charles is the first name, right? Because that's my dad. 
Okay. So just to keep it simple, you, keep it you simple. became Mark. I became <laughs> Charles, my dad. <laughs> Although when you get Social Security, yeah. they use your first and last name. Okay. No matter what you use. Sure. They use yeah, yeah. your first and last name. So to the Social Security Administration, well, it's not Social Security, it's the health, the Medicare. I am Charles Ripito. Right. And you, it's pointless to explain things to Oh yeah, yeah. Bureaucrats like yeah. that. So, oh. anyway, so Alex here is not Alexander. He's Alex. Yes. All right, that's fine. Well, I'm Alexander Higgins, according to the book that I wrote, or the constitutional course that I developed. Oh wow. So I'm the author of the American Test, United States Constitution. Okay. Cool. Uh, it's also called the Exact Quotes Test of the United States Constitution as well. I gave the book two titles. But anyways, I'm here to, to uh, you pose gave, a question in. You gave the book to who? He said he gave it two titles. Oh, I gave the book oh, two titles. Oh, you gave the book two titles. Yes. Sounded to me like he said, yes, it's called I gave the, the book to Titus. <laughs> so. No, I could have. You know, I have a lot of brain damage. You know, I used to box a lot, so you right. know, sometimes I don't speak clearly. But I can write pretty well. Well, good. Uh, anyways, I developed, I developed a course called The American test it's a test in a course um it's a set of standardized exams for all local state and federal government agencies um <laughs> it's an education proposal well um and it's a way of testing them all on the constitution and in the most objective way so i'm saying my method for testing people on the united states constitution is the most objective clear-cut way of doing so according to the rules of mathematics or logic so right. sometimes you bring up calculus no too, i can or, appreciate that um appreciate like, how many let me ask you a question and, about uh, that how many state local and uh, county employees you know across the country are capable of passing this test <laughs> do you know you probably got some numbers um i i would um at at a rate of 70%, this particular test here, yeah, um, I would say less than 90%. Um, and this is just judging from my past his history as a federal law enforcement officer. Um, I graduated from uh, the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center of Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I served in the U.S. Coast Guard. I did immigration and drugs missions uh, you know, all around Alaska, down in South and Central America. Um, if you ask me why we did law enforcement down there or how that was constitutional, um, you know, that, it's that's not, it's not, giant but I mean, to, uh, you, go down right there. I'd call be, some, call some, uh, uh, some question into your, your background to be able to write this, <laughs> write this test. I'd be but, interested to know how many cops could, could pass this, you know, how many cops in the street could pass well, this thing. The, well, it depends on where they the are. thing is, um, I'm supposed to prepare. I'm supposed to propose a question here, and uh, when we propose this question, it should yield some good answers for us about our government. All but right. anyways, I went into the Coast Guard. Um, I went through Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. I uh, swore to defend the Constitution. Here's the thing. Prior to doing all those things, I had never read the Constitution one time in my life. I, can't, I could hardly recall any words from the Constitution, mm-hmm. except for maybe the preamble and uh, maybe the first or second amendment. 
and that was it. The rest of it, I absolutely had no idea about. And uh, there was one instance where the Constitution became useful to me. One day, one day I happened to read the Constitution, and I had a uh, First Amendment uh, issue. I don't want to explain all of it, but uh, it was helpful me. It was helpful to me to uh, know that part of the Constitution. But here's the thing: if federal employees don't know the U.S. Constitution, if they haven't read it at all, at large, or uh, local or state employees, uh, how can they possibly defend the U.S. Constitution? Well, they can't. But that's not their job. Right. Right. That's just an oath they take that gets them hired. They don't take it seriously. Shit, no. Right. I mean, what has happened over the past three years that would lead anyone to believe that anybody gives a shit about the U.S. Constitution at this point? Well, I I think that people care about the Constitution or, you know, they like the idea of the preamble. Um, I think they pay lip service to the Constitution. But I think most of them view the Constitution as an obstacle to be overcome. Um, Sure, a lot of people do view the Constitution as an obstacle, but that's probably because they haven't read it. So if you have something like navigation rules, for instance, so if you take a particular particular activity in society, not society in general, um, such as sailing or, you know, boating along the channels. Navigation rules are not an obstacle. They are a useful thing. They are useful protocol. Right. Um, it's kind of like starting strength. You have protocol in starting strength. A lot of people might view the protocol of starting strength as an obstacle, but when they actually learn it, they learn that it actually leads to freedom. It actually leads to growth. It leads yeah. to a more pleasurable life, for instance. Okay. So I think that's what should be taught about the U.S. Constitution, because um, the framers of the U.S. Constitution made it a document of protocol, and they made it to be, uh, they made it to make things most easy for us. That's what I believe about the U.S. Constitution, especially after reading it 30 or uh, 40 times front to back, okay? Um, and I, I mean, I think the reason why people view the Constitution as an obstacle is just because they haven't read it. I mean, that's the big obstacle. Well, it's not um, an, obs- it's not an no, obstacle no, to us. It's, 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 not an, it's an it, obstacle to totalitarians. It, that's exactly what it's supposed it, to it's be. It's an obstacle to totalitarians, and what has unfortunately transpired over the past few decades is that uh, lots and lots of the police Lots and lots of law, law enforcement officers um, are totalitarians, and uh, now they won't you know, say they they yeah. won't they won't admit that they are, but in practice, in they practice are. they are because in practice it's I I need to keep my job, you know I need to think about my family wh- right. whatever right whatever the reasoning is, but in, in practice you're exactly that you're a totalitarian because exactly what we're talking about here because you haven't taken a second to think about what you actually promised to do right right like all the j6 guys that are still rotting in the goddamn dc jail without having been charged with that with a crime tried sentenced or let go yeah you know 
cops are doing it. The cops are holding it. And, you know, every organization, and you've been a, a police officer, every, politi- every police organization, every police agency in the world has got a combination of good people and shitbags that should not be there. And the problem within every one of those organizations is that the good people tolerate the shitbags. Right. And that's unfortunate. And I don't know well, how to fix that because they got to work. Well, I, I don't think that – I don't believe that – I mean, I think there's there will always be good people and bad people in society. Um, that will always happen. And yes. By teaching the U.S. Constitution, I don't expect like you know all the bad people to magically disappear and you know have some glorious uh, no. battle won or no, it's impossible. Like that. But um, yeah, it's totally impossible. There's there will always be bad people in society. But here's the thing: is can you have a higher rate? You know, by making a simple change, a simple practical change, can you uh, give the good people? Okay, you know, maybe just a five percent advantage. Okay, so well, America's what would that simple change be? It's not a, having just having mandatory, a mandated constitutional test that has to be taken, that uh, has to be passed at certain rates. Okay, mm-hmm. so basically, what I propose, I developed a test that covers each and every single word of the U.S. Constitution. It's called the Exact Quotes Test. The Exact Quotes test or the Americans test. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called it the exact quotes test because people have to be able to recognize the words of a real constitution from a false constitution. So they don't have to interpret them. They just have to recognize the real words of the constitution from a false constitution. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to tell them what it means. Nobody's, there's not going to be a middleman saying this means that, you know, they can figure that out for themselves. Okay, as um as far as constitutional teaching is uh, concerned, or as far as the nature of constitutional teaching, um, as of today in modern society, we teach interpretations of the Constitution. We've never tried to really teach the Constitution itself and test on the Constitution. Well, in fairness, we've taught interpretations of the Constitution because of. 200 plus years of Supreme Court interpretation of the Constitution. I mean, right. that's that's and that's built the into the is, deal, you know. Um, yes, but I think we should like evaluate things like bad behavior, and then we should evaluate stuff like, um, or we should ask questions: Is the Supreme Court just flat out lying about stuff, or our state? Courts just flat out lying about the nature of the Constitution. So let's just say, um, if you read the Privileges or Immunities Clause from Amendment 14, Section 1 of the U.S. Constitution, what that did was that extended the Bill of Rights to all of the states, or at least the first eight amendments of the Bill of Rights to all the states. And that was said by Senator Jacob Howard. That means that states cannot infringe upon the right to buy a firearm, for uh, instance. Right. Okay. So but, originally, but the they Bill do of anyway. was a federal restriction. 
They do, but they, but you know, well, Alex, they do anyway, and the Supreme Court has interpreted that that's just fine in certain circumstances. The the, I the argument that. hangs on the, the definition of the word abridge, and uh, they've interpreted that to mean that yeah, I mean, Michigan can prevent you from having a gun. You know, now we've got some, we've, there's some progress along, and this is, you know, our, here at Asgard Company, we all have a bunch of guns and shit, so it's kind of interesting to us, and we pay attention to this, but, you know, it's interesting to see Trump's appointees eroding some of this totalitarian shit, Uh, but it's been, you know... I don't I I would take issue just basically to wrap this up with with your argument that knowing what the constitution says is going to make any difference to the vast majority of people. It's it's interesting but is not relevant to them because they disagree with it. They disagree with it. They actively disagree with it and they will actively undermine it at every opportunity and that's just the way shit is you know we are in late stage we're in late stage roman empire america right now whether we want to be or not we cannot lay claim to the to the idea anymore that we are a country a country in the sense that Germany is a country, in the sense that Argentina is a country, even in the sense that the poor bastards in Canada have a country. The United States contains both California and Oklahoma. There are no more diametrically opposed uh, approaches to government than California and Oklahoma, and yet here we are in the same country. Well, the problem, which is okay, the problem is the problem you know, is when you're trying to appease both sides at the same time. You can't, you can't do, do it. it, and they understood this 250 years ago and set it up that way. The problem is that we've gone in the wrong direction. Yes. Right? <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean it's a um, it's a fixable problem. So. You know, I I have no illusions about like a constitutional test just magically curing all evils. I'm just looking for like maybe just five percent. Okay. Oh, just look, maybe thinking things. Alex, I'm not I'm not arguing with your approach. I I see nothing but good right, coming of what you're trying to do here. But, so yeah. All I'm saying is that the practical that, um, reality of the situation is is you you are not going to change right. these people's minds. You know. There's about 20% of the people in this country, 20% of the people in this country are, in fact, hardcore communists at this point. They are not not just liberals. They're not just leftists. They are hardcore authoritarian communists and will do anything they have to do to make you obey them. And they they don't care. I, they don't I care about the Constitution. Thing. They disagree with its existence. Right. And you making them read it is not going to make them 
agree with its existence. They don't want limits placed on their power. That's not what, that's not what they're in here for. They're not in it for limitations. You know. Oh, well. But I appreciate your oh, call. Well. I appreciate your efforts in this direction, and we'll see uh, what comes of it. Okay, next. Hello. Hey, Rip. This, hey, Rip. Hey. This is Guy. I'm from Dallas. I, hey, first of all, I want to say thank you for what you do for, for mankind. I don't say that casually being an asshole. I really, I really appreciate your work. Well, I appreciate that, Guy. Thanks for calling. <clears throat> here's, the, yeah, here's the question. All right. I'm a type 2 diabetic. And right. I always wanted to know the, the five as opposed to using a programming screen, a scheme of hypertrophy, more reps. Metabolically, now you can answer this anecdotally or however, what is your, what are your thoughts on that? All right, we talked about this on occasion, uh, and it's a, it's a, it is a, uh, it's a very important question to get straightened out. All right. There are a whole bunch of people in exercise science or what gets passed off as exercise science that are still of the opinion like from 30 years ago that you do uh, sets of one to three for strength sets of five for something else sets of 10 to 12 for hypertrophy all right uh hypertrophy is how muscles get stronger and sets of five make muscles stronger than any other rep range we know this from having trained them that way for a hundred years we know that fives work best fives are the rep range that makes you the strongest year after year after year from novice to intermediate to advanced you get stronger doing fives now i learned this the hard way because i used to believe all this hypertrophy bullshit just like all these guys are making money off of it right now he's asking in the context of type 2 diabetes right i yeah and i'll i'll get to that it's it's a peripheral issue but uh sets of five sets of five or or they're they're our most powerful tool for getting strong. All right. Now, if you want to get big and strong, does a guy with a 185-pound deadlift have as big a back as a guy with a 495-pound deadlift? And the obvious answer is no, he doesn't. So if he gets his sets of five up from 185 to 500 pounds, what happens to the size of his back? Eights and tens are lightweights relative to fives, and they don't make you as strong because they don't have the ability to cause you to produce as much force as a set of five does. Now, the apparent theory here is that you get hypertrophy first, and then you make that bigger muscle stronger. Well, that's stupid. That's stupid. I don't care what the guys writing papers about this are saying. That's just that's not what happens in the gym. 
that may be what happens in th- these guys' ex-phys lab. But that's not what happens in gyms across the world. What happens in gyms across the world is that you do sets of five and you add five pounds and you do sets of five and you add another five pounds and you do sets of five until that stops working. Well, it doesn't even happen in their labs because the the the, the studies are designed very poorly, right? So there you're are, gonna, there's not any, you're going to see what you want to see. There is a, not just a, hardly yeah. any exercise physiology publication being done right now that's worth reading. And it doesn't it, matter because we really have not. it doesn't matter because we have all the data we need, right? Yeah. I mean, it happens every single day. Yeah, we have data because what we have is people doing their fives, and we compare that to people doing their tens. And what do we see? The guys doing their fives are stronger and they're also bigger because that's the same thing. Hypertrophy is strength. Strength is hypertrophy. That is how muscles get stronger. They grow in cross-sectional area. That's the mechanism by which strength is obtained. You stress a muscle it adapts to that stress. Now, if you stress it at the level of loading permitted by sets of five, it's going to be producing more force than the classic sets of 20. Uh, it said 20 squat programs been around for 30 years. It doesn't work. You know how I know it doesn't work? Because I did it. And it, it, that is training for your psychology. It's not actual physical training because it doesn't work. It doesn't make you bigger. It doesn't make you stronger. Not at, at And you can't do it for more than about six weeks at a time. You can't do it because it's too fucked up and hard and psychologically stressful. You can't do it. You know, I, I know this personally. What you can do is add five pounds to your sets of five on a regular basis whether it's workout to workout like a novice will do or week to week like an intermediate trainee will do or two weeks to three weeks like an advanced trainee would do you can add five pounds and five pounds in some situations may mean two pounds might mean a pound and a half depending on the exercise are you, are you saying that are you saying are you saying the metabolic the metabolic activity all right there's no more metabolic activity that occurs during 10, 10, 10 reps as opposed to the five reps. it's acute versus because chronic five reps. now yeah a, a a set of 10 is a different metabolic event than a set of 5 yeah a little bit yeah okay. maybe it, right it, it's it, okay. it it probably is at some level it's not aerobic you know, but there may be more uh, anaerobic glycolysis going on as opposed to just the use of NC2 ATP in a set of 10 than there is in a set of 5. But who gives a shit? Yeah, the salient point here is that a set of 10 is lighter in weight and lower in force production than a set of 5. You know what you find out when you do sets of 20? This is what you find out when you do sets of 20. The 20th rep. Feels like shit, but it moves at the same yeah. bar speed as the fifth rep. That's what you find out doing sets of twenty. It wasn't any harder. It's not any heavier. It just is more awful. 
Yeah, it's not objectively harder. It's not objectively harder. An easy way, a, a better way to think about this is to think in terms of systemic stress. Now, not not what it feels like to actually do these things because people conflate the two <coughs> ideas. How hard does something feel versus the process that's actually occurring when you accumulate stress over time with heavier and heavier loads. So the the set of eight or, or consistently doing sets of eight uh, isn't as systemically stressful as working at a higher force production, at a, at a higher force production level. So working at sets of five. Because of that, do muscles grow? It's more metabolically stressful. And all these, all these things that you're worried about get taken care of as a result of pursuing strength that just doesn't happen when you're working in the 8 to 10 to 12 rep range. It just stops working much sooner. It's not, it's not, it's not stressful enough is a, is a really it's not easy way to think enough. about it. Yeah. It's sets of 12 are not heavy enough to make you stronger. And if you're not getting stronger, your muscles are not getting bigger. Muscles don't just get bigger because you did a bunch of reps. Muscles get bigger because they have to to adapt to the stress of your training. Right. That's why they get bigger. And fives produce the kind of stress that cause muscles to grow much better than sets of 12. And I realize that this is contrary to every single thing you have seen on the internet and in all these ex-phys textbooks and all this other bullshit. But I'm telling you, I've been doing this for 47 years. And I know what works, and I know what doesn't work. And because sets of 8, 10, 12 fit into somebody else's business model, I don't care about their business model. It doesn't work as well as fives. And any strength coach that's being who's being paid to make people strong, not to just shit out template-based training, will tell you that fives are what makes their people stronger because that's, that's human physiology. And I don't care what the exercise physiologists say. They don't know what they're doing. They prove that over and over again. So, you know... Uh, I, I, you know, I'm sorry to be, you know, be the bearer of bad tidings, but you guys are listening to the wrong people. If you're doing eights, tens, and twelves in an attempt to get strong, I did this for years, getting ready for powerlifting meets, and I wasted lots and lots and lots of time that I wish I hadn't wasted getting this done. I'd have been a lot stronger then well, I'll say, if I'll, I knew what I'll I know say now. This. I, think you are, I think you're on the right track because I've experienced exactly what you're saying. That other shit I didn't do anything until I started working with one of your coaches here in Dallas. Yeah. And the difference was night and day. Yeah. And that's why it I is night and day. For, 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 for your commentary and then having the, the guts to prove it by putting your gems out there and collecting the data. And I hope it really uh, leads to helping a lot more people. I know my, my fat little doctor I go to, he believes in it. I wish he would start training. Well, <laughs> so, good for him. Anyways, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. You know, he said something that was interesting. I squatted last night. Even on my fucked up knee, I still managed to do some squats. And I 
videoed myself and i've been doing this for every time i squat i've been videoing myself and i'm in there in the gym by myself 10 o'clock doing i i managed to get a set of five at two and a quarter last night and i'm only about an inch and a half above parallel with basically no left knee the the interesting thing though is that I have been watching my back angle when I squat. And as I approach the bottom of the squat, and I squat to a box, and I pause on the box, and I shove my ass up over the box, what I am watching myself do is my back angle gets a little tiny bit more vertical as I come to the box. And I am fighting that as hard as I possibly can. I am telling myself, bend over, bend over, horizontal, horizontal, knees out of the way, get down, low back, horizontal, hold the position, and the goddamn thing will not, will not go. But the interesting thing about watching this video is what I see versus what I actually see what I feel. Yeah, what you feel and what you're trying to do. Right? What I'm trying to do right. and what I feel like I'm doing is not what happened. Right. I cannot tell you people how unreliable your feelings about things are. This RPE bullshit has made people a bunch of money, but it's complete bullshit in the absence of in the absence of the ability to quantify what's going on, your perception of what you did, how hard it was, what you could do again, whether you can do another rep or not, it's all bullshit. It's complete, utter, absolute bullshit. But it's profitable, and that's why it's being done. All I right. Think got, I think we got somebody on. Is it Connie? It's uh, Franis. Oh, hey, sorry. It's uh, our, our our AI didn't understand yeah, you. Spill that for it's me. Like uh, it's like Frank, but you take out the K and put an E. Frane. Yeah, perfect. Or Frain. No, no, Frane. 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 I can say that. Easy enough. So, thanks for calling, man. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Dallas, Texas, but I'm originally from Croatia. You're Croatian. That must be fun I being am. Croatian. Do the Croatians have a? They have a distinctive type of beer. I wonder, or do they just drink Czech Pilsner? Uh, well, Czech Pilsner is very popular. I wouldn't say that our beer beer is very developed. Uh, more wine. Yeah, Croatian like wine. wine. That's not lauded yeah. frequently, is it? No, but it's because we're we have, we're such a small country. But our wine is often used by like you know I don't know at every U.S. presidential inauguration they drink Croatian wine. What? Like I wonder really? why they do that. It's just small, just for solidarity. We just can't produce them. some old treaty. <laughs> I don't know treaty probably Theodore Roosevelt started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Something like, something like he had a Croatian friend. He's like, yeah, we're gonna uh, do all this. Right, well, we're gonna do this the, forever. Yeah. Bring the wine. <laughs> you can do that. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. What do you want to talk to us about today? Well, you know, I used to be a 
teeny little soccer player, and I'm in the process of becoming a big, strong man with the linear progression. Good and, job. And uh, doing really well for the last month. However, I was playing soccer this weekend, and I pulled my groin. Yeah. And last night I was doing my work. One side or both sides? Really getting the squat inside, just one side, left groin. Left groin, all right. Real high above the bottom of the pelvis. Squat. Yeah. And I was doing my squat, and I really felt it on, uh, you know, I did a set of five, but it really kind of, I don't know, I felt, I didn't do any more sets because it felt kind of really bothered me, so I just did everything else, like my bench and my deadlift. But right. I wanted some advice on how, whether I could just lay off the squat for a little bit or what you think is the best way to deal with something well, like The this. best way to deal with a groin pull in the, in, the, in the squat is to narrow your stance and squat. Because when you narrow your stance, you take the adductors pretty much out of the squat. And then gradually add your stance width back until after a couple of weeks. And you're going to have squat three days a week to do this. But you're you're on novice progression. So that's what you're going to do. You're going to mm-hmm. back up about 20%. You're going to do your three sets across with a narrow stance. And I mean like two inches between your heels. and then the next workout you go to two and a half inches and then the next workout you go to three inches and this is why the weight's going back up to the previous work set weight and you'll be there in a couple of weeks and your groin will be healed but you have to train through it you cannot lay off of a groin pull yeah i made that mistake i made that mistake and then and then retore it about a year you will retear it and the second time it was bad it was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you, you will wow. tear it. You cannot lay off of a groin pull. And I know how bad the goddamn thing hurts. Okay. I know I've done it before and I know how bad it hurts. It's exquisitely painful, but <laughs> okay. it, 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 it doesn't matter. You have to train through it. And the way you train through it is you back up a little bit, narrow the stance, thus taking the groin pretty much out of the movement in terms of producing force but you're still moving it around you're getting some blood in there and and then you just gradually widen the stance back out thus gradually adding stress back onto the repairing groin that adductor muscle is is got to be rehabbed under a load or it will form a scar and you don't do not want a scar in your groin because if you scar, anytime you scar a muscle belly, then that part of the muscle belly stops behaving like a muscle. You've got a scar running across the contractile proteins, and that becomes a brand new focus of a new place to tear again. It has to be rehabbed okay. while it's contracting. So you've you've okay. got to tra- you've got to train. <clears throat> well, but that, the, the way to fix it up so you can stand it is to narrow your stance. All right. Okay, good. The first and time you the and you won't you even feel it when you narrow your stance. Now, the first workout you do this, you're just going to play with how much you need to narrow the stance. 
it may be two inches between the heels maybe six inches between the heels i found that i could go wider with a with a pause like i could start sooner and go and go wider with the stance with by pausing at the bottom for just a little bit right just getting rid of the the stretch stretch. reflex out of it you might want to try something like that but whatever you do you've got to be squatting yep for sure you have to squat on it you cannot lay it off this happened on saturday you said yeah, it happened on Saturday. I rest on Saturday, Sunday with my weights, and then Monday, I yesterday I went to do my workout, and you know, the first set on my heavy weights, I really felt it like pretty strong. So oh, I yeah. said, I'm not going to do any more. Well, no, you've got it. Are you training tomorrow? Yes, I am. Well, you're going yeah, to get it all done. in there and figure three, it out. Yeah, get all get all three sets of five. Get all three sets of five at eighty percent. Okay. With as wide a stance as you can tolerate. Now that will be narrower. Right. But that's that's where you'll okay, start. Great. You have to work it. Okay? And you don't think it impacts the deadlift? Nope. It shouldn't have any effect on the deadlift, really. And okay. it, it certainly, it won't be so that you can't stand it. Right. Because the deadlift is a narrower stance. Anyway... And even if your toes are out and your knees are out, there's just not that much adductor in a deadlift. It's a it's just much shorter range of motion. You shouldn't have much effect at all on the deadlift. Okay. Okay, great. All right, man. All right, Thanks thank for you, the Rick. call. See ya. That's an awful feeling when you tear the the tear an adductor. It's, it's, I've torn a pec. Anytime you tear a muscle belly, I've torn a quad. It's, but the adductor is just oh, awful. it's just this horrible feeling. Oh shit! It makes you want to. It makes me nauseous to think about. Yeah, yeah, it's real bad. I tore a quad one time. I've torn hamstrings. I've torn everything. Yes, that, that. I've ruptured tendons. I've just I've been everything except dropped out of an airplane. <sighs> Because it's not you a know. pop; it's like a, it's actual tear. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a tear. Yeah, it's nasty. Just like tearing a piece of paper. Nasty. Hello. 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 Who's this? Hi. Jose Garcia. Who? Jose Garcia. Jose Garcia. Yes, okay. sir. Okay. How are you? I'm fine, man. How are you? I'm doing great. What do you want to talk about? Better. Uh, well, uh, I started doing the knowledge in progression back in March 22nd after about a year hiatus. Uh, I had gone to the plane of strength gym for about six months in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good with it. I like it. I'm making good progress and everything. Uh, I'm 51 years old. I'm a 213, 42-inch waist size. So I'm interested in reducing my waist size, but not necessarily dropping weight by eating less. So I was thinking of doing swimming on the off days, like 30 minutes of swimming. Swimming uh, will make you lose weight. And I don't know, well, burn more calories. I don't want to stop. It, I mean, it, won't it won't be significant. It won't be significant. It just won't be significant. You're how tall are you? Five nine. And what do you weigh? Two thirteen. Five nine two thirteen is not just grotesquely fat. I mean, you know. Yeah. 
you think you got too much belly? Is that what it is? Waist. Yeah, it's forty-two inch waist, basically. And then I you got a forty-two to inch waist. Years. Well, you got to get back to training, haven't you? Are you training right now, Jose? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been doing it uh, since March twenty-second. Oh, he so said this March. Yeah. So he's been doing it a month. Yeah. He's been going back yeah, five weeks. weeks. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was six weeks last, All right. last Friday. So, Jose, here's the problem. All right, you're a grown-up adult, right? Oh, yeah. Grown-up adults cannot lose body fat with just activity. There are way too many fat runners that demonstrate that conclusively every single day. You have got to go on a probably a carbohydrate-restricted diet of some sort if you are so fat that you can't live with yourself. Maybe not, though. If he's only five weeks in. Five weeks he in, I, he's going to retrain. He's going to recomposition yeah. to a certain extent, but, I mean, he called us. He wants us to tell him how to lose some body weight, and he wants to. He wants me to tell him swimming is a good idea. Right. And it's not. Yeah. Swimming is not going to do a no, goddamn no. thing for your body fat. It's not going to do one single thing. All right. Yeah. So, I've lost two and a half inches already since I started the the NLP. Oh, nice! I already I'm already two and a half down. But my weight is still the same. About I, I was two fifty when I started. I'm two thirteen, but my weight has gone down two and a half inches. Right. Well, then exactly. what's going on is is whatever you were depositing on your belly is now being used for recovery from your training. Uh, just keep doing that. But I, the the bottom line is, is you know how to eat. You know what to not eat. You know, you don't need me to tell you what to not eat. You already know that. You just need to know that swimming is not going to help you. Swimming is not going to do anything for your body composition. You just keep doing what you're doing, and everything is already in the process of heading in the right direction. Okay. In order to do enough swimming to appreciably affect your body composition, you're going to have to be swimming all the fucking time. And it would have an extremely adverse effect and that's the problem. on your on that's your barbell training. Right. So the best the best use of your time and your energy is to keep getting stronger and just keep your body weight where it's at. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. I see. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I want to know if they had, if it would adverse negatively that the lift. Because I don't want to affect that. Yeah, at and the at the, at the like Nick said, at the level at which you would have to swim in order to uh, to constitute an appreciable use of calories. Right. You will be creating a competing stress for the barbell training, and recovery is finite. Right. All right? Okay. Just keep training. You're doing okay. fine. Just don't panic. Everything will be where you want it to be in three or four months. Yep. At the, right? the four-month mark, oh. if you're still not happy, then, then you know, call us again. All right. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for the call. Hello. Hello. Hey, this is uh, Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Hi. Are you on speakerphone or something? You sound like shit. I am on phone. Hold on. How's this? Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right. Yeah, speakerphone doesn't work for this kind of thing. How are y'all doing? We're, We're just fine. You? Good. 
Good, good. Good. I've got a question about a deviated septum. All right. Um, I have one, and I was just wondering if so you do I. For, um, I was wondering if you had any tips because surgery costs like six grand, and I don't really want to spend that money right now. So I was wondering if you had any tips for uh, kind of dealing with it until I can, you know, spend the money for the surgery. Well, uh, what are your symptoms? Are you not sleeping good? Um, my symptoms are it's just uh, it's hard to breathe sometimes, and I snore, and sometimes when I wake up, like I'll sleep eight hours, but I'll wake up feeling like shit. Yeah, I understand completely. All right, this is what the – here's the situation. I had my deviated septum straightened, corrected, and, and I had that done back in 2005, all right? And it's a bloody fucking mess. Uh, doctor that did it is a friend of mine. And uh, he got it all straightened out to his satisfaction. And the way they straighten it out is they shave it off. They don't actually straighten it. They thin it. On the, on the occluded side, they thin it. And I had it looked at. Oh, 10 years later, 10 years later, and the goddamn thing had grown back to the same geometry it was before he straightened it. It didn't say straightened out. Now, that's not a good use of $6,000, is it? No, it's not. So, this is what I think about the situation. My, My right side is the small nostril left side's normal i breathe better out of the left side than i do the right side so what i do is i just take care of my nose by in the morning i will wash my nose out with a cup of warm saline that i mix up i snort it up into my nose and i clean my nose out it cleans the the all the nasal passages out and you you know, I stand over the sink and I snort it up and I spit it into the sink. And you do that and it immediately feels better. All the dog shit that accumulates in your nose overnight gets washed out and now your nose is clean for the day. And then I'll make sure, and if, sometimes I'll do that again at night before I go to bed. And then what I do is. I'll blow my nose at night so there's not a bunch of snot and boogers and shit in it. And then I will use oxymetazoline, nasal spray. Oxymetazoline is the 12-hour Afrin. But everybody's got a store brand, and it's not a lot of money. It's cheap. And so what I do is I will put two sprays in my big nostril, my left side, and I'll put three sprays in my closed-up nostril. And then every other day, I will add to that some fluticasone steroid nasal spray. And I'll spray one in each side. Now, if, if you do this, your nose will open. And you can breathe through your nose all night, and you won't snore. I don't snore, you know. Now, sometimes I don't 
sleep well, but it's, you know, not because I can't breathe. Uh, now, the yeah. other night, I'll tell you what, the other night I forgot to put an in. And I woke up about four hours later, and I, you know, it, you have to get awake enough to realize what you've done. And then I finally woke up, and I thought, oh, fuck, I nose, you know, it stopped up. So I went in there and blew my nose and put the shit in the nose and went back to bed and slept fine the rest of the night. But that's what I would do. You don't, I don't think that, uh, I mean, the long-term prognosis of a septoplasty is just, you know, in my case, it grew back to curved. It, was, it did not help it in the long run at all. And I have been able to manage it effectively. I have been using oxymetazoline in my nose for 35 years. And I've had no trouble with it at all. All these fucking morons running around saying, oh, you get addicted to that stuff. You get addicted to oxymetazoline. What does that even mean? Am I going to knock over a liquor store to pay for my oxymetazoline habit? Is that what happens when you get addicted to oxymetazoline? You know, you use it every night. So. You use it every night because it works, not because you're addicted to it. You use it every night so you can fucking go to sleep, which is much better than not going to sleep. And you oh, know, yeah. having the moral so high ground of not being created. addicted to oxymetazoline. <laughs> I don't understand. So anyway, I, that if I were you, that's what I would try. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Because it got to a point where not sleeping was kind of affecting my training just it'll affect like everything shit. man it'll raise your blood pressure it just fucks everything up but i you know go to the store right yeah. now and get some get some oxymetazoline you can get the afrin 12 hour or you can get the store brand it's the same shit and and don't put eight or ten sprays in each side that's not necessary just two you know two or three and then at the same while you're there, get some fluticasone. They call it Flonase, I think. Get some of that and start treating your nose with that. And you don't have to do that every night. Every other night's, you know, you probably want to go every night for about three days and then cut back to every other night on the steroid. But the combination of those two should have you sleeping a whole lot better tonight. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much. Good. Glad to be of help. Thanks for the call. All right. This might be the last one. Last one. There's probably enough time to. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hello, Rip. Nick, can you hear me? This is Rip, and I can hear you, Nick. Rip, How are you? Can you hear me? I can. Guido, can you hear me? Oh, it's Guido. It's not Guido. Nick. I think can he was saying hi. He to, was high, saying hi to, hi to you. Us. Guido. Guido. All right. Father Guido here. Are we you, are you actually ago. Italian? Nick, how are you? Are you actually a priest? No, no. Uh, well, I'm neither a priest nor Italian, but I know you think about Father Guido. Well, why would Jesus. your goddamn mother name you Guido if you're not Italian? <laughs> what was she thinking? Well, I, because I think they thought that Guido... I think they thought that Guido Bernstein was a nice Irish name, Rip. That's the only reason I could <laughs> Guido think Guido Bernstein. The Irishman. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> all right, go ahead. I, I, man. I have a. I, I, well, I have a, a, a first of all something lighthearted. It's something very grave. I'll try to keep it very short. All right. I would like to throw my hat in the ring for your segment of the show, Ask a Jew, because I think Ray Gillenwater. And we hadn't super, done that in a while. Have no, you? we haven't. We got to we got to get back to that. Got to get back to that. Maybe we'll ask Guido here. You got a you got a Jew question for Guido? Yeah, yeah. Ask, ask about the Guido. All right. Well, well just, you know, down the road in the future, you know, right. I want to make myself available. All right. Email the store and, uh, and and email me. Give me your phone number, and we'll set something up. What's your that what's slipped your, our mind? What's your rate? That's really great. Guido, what's your rate? All Jews have a rate. Well, I only rate? bill. Well, normally I bill by the hour, but in, gentlemen, in your case, I will bill by the nanosecond. All right. All right. I think we can probably come up with a rate then. All right. <laughs> Excellent. I think we can agree on that. Yes. Still another yes. millionth of a second. Right. So here's my here's my serious question. I, I, I spoke to Ina about this last week. I'm at the coaching prep course. I'm coaching. But it concerns my stepdaughter, who's 45, and my step-granddaughter, who's 26. They both have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, the connective tissue. Right. Version. And some tachycardia, at least for the step-granddaughter. And I'm gonna. And Ina said she connected me with Will Morris. We're gonna get a consult together. But what light could you shed? What guidance could you offer me in training my stepdaughter and my stepgranddaughter? Well, people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome are are their joints are prone to laxity, and uh, yes. and you you've got to. Whereas a normal human being without that pathology, gets to the bottom of the squat, and they feel the bottom of the squat because it tightens up, and they bounce off of that. These women are going to have to learn the position from which to come up, where everybody else would just feel the bounce. They're going to have to generate one at the right position. Now, it might help and i don't know that this will work it might help to have them squat to a box and bounce off of the use the tactile reference from the box as the bottom to bounce off of and have them do a couple of sets like that and then what i would do if i'm gonna have them do sets of five i would have them do the first two reps off of the box and do the final three reps after you pull the box out and see if they can reproduce that depth. That might be a good way That's to train them idea. to do that. Because we don't want them going to ask the grass or dive bomb. No, 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 no. We can't have that shit because it's going to hurt their knees. You know, and it's going to hurt their knees and their spine and their hips. So here's another place this is going to be a problem is pressing overhead. They're going to have to reach up into the shrug without hyperextending their spine and without reversing their elbow extension and all that other stuff. These girls are going to have to pay exquisite attention to their positioning because they don't have uh, normal joint tightness to tell them where the end of the range of motion is. And you, as a coach, are going to have to get real, real good. Real good at teaching them where to stop. 
This is this will be a task that you don't have Strictly to ever do again with anybody else. But you've got to you you're going to have to teach them where to stop in the range of motion. Like when they get to the top of a deadlift, they have to lift their chest and stop. Lift your chest and Not stop. Go don't go backwards. Lift the chest up. Show me your tits, right. but don't lean back. Don't don't shrug the shoulders back. Don't do it. Just lift the chest and stop right there. Think about what this feels like. Stop right there. Now do it again. Go at exactly the same place. Stop right there. Don't go any further than that. And if you do that, I've worked with a couple of people I had to do this with a couple of times. And most people can figure this out. Most people can figure this out. But if she's got to learn to not go ass to grass on the squats or she's going to have knee problems with it. Yeah, that's my big concern. What about using a safety squat bar because she suffers the step grab? It's not going to help anything. Shoulder dislocation spontaneously. She's okay, not, it's not going to help anything. Bar back in a low bar squat. It's not going to help anything. Okay. Have her use a narrower grip in the shoulder in in on the squat. A narrower grip and keep her okay. elbows down. Ah, okay. Keep the elbows down. Don't Didn't jack do them up then. in the back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let. Yeah. All her right. humerus ought to be laying on against her ribs. Her, and her, her thumbs are touching the shoulders. They need to be touching the shoulders. If they're not, she's she's gonna she's gonna cause a problem. Uh, okay. We'll be cautious about this. Yes. And I really appreciate it because this is a, this is a matter close to my heart. Well, let me know what happens, and uh, we'll uh, we'll call you up, and if you can do a. If you could do a reasonable Jewish impression, then we'll. we'll <laughs> An impression. Well, let me work. Your on. impression of a Jew. It's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'd sure be glad it is. To. All right. All right, Guido, talk to you. Thanks right, for the call, it. man. Thank you, Rip. All Thank right. you, Dick. Later. You. <laughs> Guido's always been funny. Yeah. <laughs> Oh shit! All right. Well, that's it for today, that's it. right? That's it. Yeah. Is that enough entertainment for one day? How could how could anybody stand to be more entertained than they have been so far today? I don't know. I don't know. It's how highlight of my week so far. So far. Yeah. Mine too. So far. That's the extent to which we lead our lives, right? All right. Well, I appreciate you guys watching us today. Appreciate you joining in. Appreciate your calls. We'll do one of these again in three or four more weeks. You have in mind what you want to ask us, and you get ready to call us in on the call-in Q&A right here at Starting Strength Radio.